Hi everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. I hope you're all doing okay. Thanks for joining us for My Sporting Mind. And I'm really very pleased to welcome one of England's greatest ever batsmen, Kevin Peterson, to the podcast. And also now a conservationist. Give you a round of applause. Um, I'm staring <laughs> at you and I'm looking at like giraffes, elephants um, in your background. It's really nice actually. How have you been? Leopard. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks Charlie. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, yeah, it's been one of the most beautiful couple of months. No travel. It's just been amazing. We've seen every single positive we can from it. Uh, I'm now starting to get to the end of my tether with it. <laughs> However, it has been beautiful. The weather's been fantastic. So it's, uh, it's been, yeah, nothing short of fabulous. I should have been on about, I calculated it last week. If there was no lockdown, I would have been on about 38 aeroplanes oh my God. Um, with all work commitments. So for me to have been in one place and I haven't been to a shopping center, I've not seen anyone apart from a couple of buddies on the golf course. So has that been, you said you were at the end of your tether. Has it been nice in a way or is it getting to the point where you're like, oh, I'm just dying to actually do something? Like well, I'm not dying to do anything. No, I'm not dying to do anything. I'm dying to travel. I need to get back to Africa. I've got a load of stuff I've got to do in Africa. We have a lodge in Africa and uh, I've got uh, quite a bit of work that needs to be done in Africa. So a lot of my work is Africa-based uh, and also based in India. So without being able to travel to those countries, it's uh, sort of stagnated a bit of the growth in all the work that uh, I have been doing and all the work. So I've had to palm it on to other people to do, but to properly take control, I should be out there making sure that things are done correctly. But it's given me other opportunities to do so many other different things. These webinars, I've been doing loads of webinars. And it's, yeah, spending time with the kids. I mean, our pool's open. We live on a golf course. I've been playing golf today back in the swimming pool. Oh, nice. Put a t-shirt on so I can actually talk sense on this and look half decent. And I'm just going to be straight back outside into the pool with the kids in a minute. Oh, thanks for taking the time away from your children to speak to us. Sorry, kids. Um, on that note, how do you deal with the fact that maybe you're not in control of the work, you know, in India that you're doing and, and your conservation work in Africa? There's nothing I can do about it. So I control the controllables like I did in my job, like I did, like I do in everything. I control the controllables. I can't control what's happening. So I just let it go and I go and do other things and I make sure that uh, I apply my focus to different things, try new things. Mm. and uh, try and make those try and make those work and try and make them uh, make them happen and also it's about palming off uh, responsibility to other people giving other people responsibility to make things work which has been super absolutely yeah. brilliant which i think is a lesson in itself as well because i think we all like to control things and yeah maybe giving other people responsibility we've got to have that yeah. trust that they can do it yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that a lot of people like it and they respond really well to responsibility. Mm. And I mean, you can certainly uh, see through somebody's character very easily when you do give them the opportunity to do something that you should be doing. Uh, and it's been, it's been beautiful. It's been brilliant. I've loved the last couple of months. I just now know that I have to travel and yeah. um, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm. Well, I'd love to talk to you about the journey that you're on um, in a moment, which I think is great around the conservation work that you're doing mm. and where you are in your life now. But I'd love to pick your brains on a few things in terms of how you've dealt with your mindset and mental health and emotions. So if I could take you back to almost mm. like the beginning, what was it like when you first moved to England from South Africa in terms of like your personal self? You were only 19 years old. How did you deal with those emotions? And were you nervous? Uh, I was nervous. I left South Africa without a friend 
uh, without any family or anything here in the UK. And I had to create and build everything from scratch. Uh, nothing was ever given to me on a plate. I was given a contract. My first contract was 15,000 pounds. And it was like, right, come over, have a go at it, see where you can go to. My next contract after playing well was 30,000 pounds, I think. And then I went to 75,000 pounds after three years of um, consistent performance. And uh, so, yeah, it was a huge, huge risk that I took to come over to the UK. I mean, I could have got injured and I mean, all my dreams would have been completely squashed. Um, I made a couple of really close connections. I actually played with my best mate here today. He came up and played at Wentworth with me today. Uh, my closest buddy here, who I moved in with after a couple of months in Nottingham in 2000, 2001. So we've been great buddies ever since. And uh, Clive Rice, the late Clive Rice, was like my father figure. Him and Sue were my sort of parents in the UK. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was difficult because nothing was ever given to me on a plate. I had to go out there and go and learn, go and create and also try and find some sort of consistency in performance. So that's why my training at work ethic was second to none. And I made sure that uh, I gave myself the best opportunity to be successful, purely down to hard graft. Uh, I don't think there's any, there's any other remedy out there other than uh, if you apply your mind to it and you practice as hard as you can and you are honest with yourself, you can achieve or you give yourself the best opportunity to achieve whatever you want to achieve. Not saying you're going to achieve anything because there's a fine line in all walks of life uh, between successful or the good and the great. And I was just lucky that uh, I built on a load of momentum and ended up scoring quite a few runs. <laughs> just a few. Do you feel yeah. like because you didn't have it all on a plate, it actually served you well? Or did that become yeah. a negative in any way in your life? Did it become kind of come destructive in a way? It's what has its pros, for sure. I mean, the pros were that I learned everything for myself and I understood everything myself because I had to do that at the beginning with no friends and no family. I had to do everything by myself. I also trusted too many people a long time ago, and now I've brought that right in. So I've only got a handful of people who I actually now trust. Um, when you go and listen to so many things and you want to make so many friends and you want to be liked because you are a foreigner in, in another country. And I mean, I started off doing incredibly well and I was starting to take all the headlines away from the superstars at the time in Nottingham. And I don't think they liked that too much. So I had loads of different barriers. So the pros of learning things by yourself are that you understand them a lot more and you actually think, right, okay, I've achieved something pretty cool here. But then the con and the, the opposite to that would be, I only want to learn things myself. I don't really want to listen to anybody else. And that's clearly got me into trouble a few times with a, a, couple, of, a couple of coaches along the way. But so be it. That's the nature of the beast. That's the way I learn. I learn by sorting things out myself and understanding them myself. Like, I mean, at the moment, my driver in golf is not working. All my other clubs are absolutely, I mean, they, yeah, they're, I'm playing good. I'm playing to scratch with all my other clubs. But my driver is not working. So straight after the round, I went straight into the range today and I just went and hit 100 balls trying to fix because I, wanted, I, need to, I need to drain it and drill myself and train my brain to know this is the right thing to do. That's how you should be doing it. So that's just the way that I work. That's the way that my body works. That's the way my brain works. <laughs> so would you take any advice on somebody helping you with your drive? Yeah, I did. I went you and, did? I went okay. and got to a, a lady pro today 
at the clubhouse and uh, she just said to me, I think you're doing this. I think you're doing that. And uh, we might've found something. And then you repeatedly went through it yourself mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. Are you a perfectionist then even yeah, now. 100%. Yeah. 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 That's why I like golf so much because it takes me back to my training days for test match cricket. Mm. Mm. I, just, I find it frustrating. Golf. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it can be frustrating. I mean, it, of yeah, course it can be frustrating, but it just makes it still gives you something to train. And I mean, we live on the golf course here. So, yeah. I mean, I'm on it all day, every day. So with yourself, is there always been that belief, not just on the surface, that confidence, but did you have it innately inside you all the time? No, confidence yeah. only comes from performance. So you grew can't that be through experience. Can't be, you can't, yeah, it's confidence. Yeah. It's, it's, sorry, it's performance related and it's, it's performance and experience for sure. Confidence, you can't be confident if you're scoring zero and nicking off for three or four or five or getting pairs every test match. There's no confidence, you can't. Confidence comes from training well and performance. No substitute for hard work, but also you can't fool everybody if you keep um, scoring low. So once you, you had that experience and started to get that experience and the achievements and you believed in your training, could you then take that onto the, to the pitch? That's the only way conf- I got confidence was because for some strange reason, I ended up with a crazy amount of runs. <laughs> some strange it. reason. Hard work. Well, yeah. Your uh, words. Um, how did you deal with the press? Because you mentioned, you know, you started to take the headlines and then there was times when the press really went on you especially when you had the he's smiling when you um, had the captaincy and then when you lost the captaincy how do you deal with that could you give us an insight of what it was actually like it's difficult until it actually happens to you you don't you don't know you have journalists camping outside your house 24 7 sleeping outside your house cameras outside your house paparazzi all over you 24 7 can't leave the house without photographers all over you. you've seen what's happened to that uh, Cummings guy, when I lost the captaincy, it was pretty similar. I mean, I had a police escort from an aeroplane through Heathrow Airport to an arriving crazy mob of, of journalists. And it's, it's hard to actually explain. People see it on television. They see these journalists that doorstep people regularly. I don't think, it's le- I don't think it should be legal. I think it should be illegal to um, hound people like that. I think it's an invasion of privacy. And I just don't think it's right because there's just no winning situation for the person. Absolutely no, there's, there's no win in that. And it's sort of a freeloaded ambush of your privacy. So yeah, there were great days as well when I was on front page, middle page and back days of papers for playing and doing some of the stuff that I did in my career. But um, it's difficult to try and explain how bad it is when it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult, very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you think like there's almost this with sports stars, you know, and you said about politicians as well, there's almost like a lack of compassion or understanding that they're a human being at the well, same people, time. Well, people don't think that people don't think that we are human beings. People think that we're robots and we've got to perform and we are accountable for every single thing we do. Uh, you only have to look at the cesspit of social media at the moment. The only people that are accountable are the people with high powered jobs, are the sportsmen because they can get taken to the cleaners if they say something wrong. Uh, whereas you've got some incredibly vile individuals out there who have no accountability for anything that they say, and they can say whatever they want on social media, uh, from death threats to racism to sexism to all sorts of things, and they can get away with it. Whereas we live on 
we live in a fine, fine, fine line of um, making sure that you've got to be careful with every single thing that you do because we're accountable for everything. It's actually become a problem with a lot of young sports people I've been speaking to. And I do know that a lot of younger um, footballers kind of check their Twitter and we've been talking about it's the, you know, you can have 99% amazing people comment on you and then 1% and it's the 1% yep. that you remember. Mm-hmm. Which, is there any advice that you would give on that? Because I suppose social media wasn't around in the early days but of your career, but it, it was towards the latter. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fine line again. Uh, I had some very interesting times of social media. I played a bad shot in a test match. I turned it off for two days, three days. Uh, when I started playing well again, I turned it back on. I think it's a huge burden on a lot of players when they gain this popularity, they believe in the good stuff and they don't want to believe in the bad stuff. And when the bad stuff does come, it, it, can, it, can, be a, it can be a dark, dark place. Social media on a couple of occasions have been very dark places for me but uh, I've got very thick skin, so it doesn't, it really doesn't bother me. I mean, I've, I've, I've gathered, uh, my skin's got uh, thicker and thicker as the years have gone on, so it, it doesn't bother me anymore, but I can see that it does bother a lot of people. But it's just, yeah, it's just, it's the weird and wonderful world of social media that can actually destroy careers, I believe. It can destroy confidence, it can destroy your inner strength, and I'm not so sure. I mean, you have only have to have a look at some of the footballers. They're on Instagram and not on Twitter. And the reason they're on Instagram is because it's supposed to be more of a celebration of uh, that beautiful world out there and all the positive things in your life. Mm. Whereas Twitter, oh, you just get open to the biggest amount of crazy abuse out there. I mean, yeah, it's it's unrelenting. <laughs> How do you deal with? You mentioned the dark places, and you've been to a couple of those dark places have you got any ways of coping or can you tell us some advice of how you got yourself out of those dark places I mean you know some of them have been we talk about the press some of them were also very well publicized you know and not a lot of people Mm. have the dark places and also then them put everywhere in the public how did you get through those times I knew that I was always honest with myself so I slept beautifully everyone said oh my how are you sleeping I mean Oh, this, and then I know a story's going to run on the front page of a newspaper the next day and the next day and another story's going to break. And I was like, it's all a load of nonsense. And I know it's a load of nonsense. And I know that I've been vilified and I knew that, uh, and people have seen that now. I mean, people only have to have a look at what's happened with English cricket and they all realise that uh, I was an annoying alarm clock that was going off way too early for the ECB in 2008, 9, 10. And every single thing that I was wanting then that got me into trouble is happening now and it's been happening over the last three or four years. So I knew that I was right. I knew that I wasn't doing anything wrong uh, by wanting to play the IPL, wanting to miss cricket matches for England to make sure that I cashed in in, in India and uh, I made as much money as I could, could in my career because your career is only short and why shouldn't you? Yeah. Um, so I knew all that stuff and I was the only one that was uh, in that situation. Um, but it takes a little bit of time. I mean, you've seen what Strauss has said over the last couple of years about me and my career and how he made mistakes, um, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, I knew I, in terms of me, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Uh, I was trying to pursue something that I believed was right. I've been proven right over the last few years. And so it was what it was. I mean, some of the nonsense that was written, luckily, thank goodness for social media. I mean, I, there was a story that broke that said, I gave away my, my test hundred cap. We ran on the front page of the sun. <laughs> uh, 
And I woke up, the ne- I knew it was running and I woke up the next morning and I just tweeted a picture of it in my dining room. And I said, mm, interesting, <laughs> it's gone real faster. It's gone from my bedroom, I think, to a proud place in my lounge, which killed that story. So, I mean, from that side, it was, it, it was good to be able to squash stuff. Yeah, good social media there. Mm. Um, mm. And from your own, because, you know, you're talking about things changing now and mental health being well documented in cricket and in sport as a whole and things hopefully are progressing and our recognition of it. Um, mm. Personally, like you kind of answer that question from a very cricket point of view. I wonder personally how you dealt with those moments Uh, I'm a very structured person. I like routine and I get through the day on structure and routine and it's very easy. And I can also take myself away from that, away from that bubble. And I've always been into business. So I've always been into uh, crazy family time as well. So uh, I would turn down silly things uh, because people demanded days away from me and my family and my young and my young boy at the time. And so I was turning down so many things that were ending up getting me into trouble because I was seen as this breakaway not wanting to, for instance, drive a car that England Cricket was sponsored by. And I was like, well, I can buy my own car. And what I don't have to do is give England Cricket or the sponsor three days of my time when I can be at home with three days with my young boy uh, and my wife. And so there's things like that that rub people up the wrong way. Why don't you just take the car and they need you, they want you. And it's just like, no, buy my car and I can have three days at home because that's what I want to do. That's, that's just the way that I live. So yeah, it was, it was structured, it was routine and it was doing things my way. Mm. How much, you mentioned family, how much did family help then? Is that such a big, important part of your life? But yeah, also huge. Through your career? Yeah, huge. Jess has been amazing. The kids are fantastic. And uh, yeah, we've, um, you can, well, it's quite well documented how private we are as a family. We never do anything with the kids. We've never sold a story on anything, a wedding. They try desperately hard to get hold of our wedding. They've tried so hard to get hold of kids stuff. Although we just don't do it. We don't do social media. We don't do faces of kids on social media. We don't do any of that stuff. We're a very, very private family. We live out in a private place now where we're right out of the way of everybody. And we just want to live a peace, peaceful life because... I tell you what, for three, four years, it wasn't so peaceful. Yeah, I can imagine. Do you have any any regrets in your, I don't know, life or career? And yeah, yeah, well, the one thing is that I wish I was able to say goodbye to English cricket with a game in the UK, finish playing for England. I mean, I played over 100 test matches and scored at the time when I was finishing. I was a leading run scorer in all forms of cricket and to be cast aside in a way that I was cast aside is one thing where I just thought it would have been so nice to have given English cricket a thank you and all the fans and spectators a thank you by being able to bat for one last time in front of them. Wonder, would that ever happen? Would it ever now? happen? Yeah. Are you crazy? I'm 40 get you back? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mm, can we make that happen? Uh, and what about your journey now? You know, you're also a conservationist as well as a cricketer. How different is that from cricket? Well, it's very different. And it's the most beautiful journey and the most positive journey because I'm completely subservient to the animals and the planet. And there's no ego. There's no bravado. There's no stupid confidence like 
having to walk out in front of the MCG, 100,000 people, and try to pump your chest out and back four for England and try and score 100 and hit Australians everywhere and talk about it in the press saying, oh, oh there's none of that. I live a very peaceful life now, very, a calm life. And I live an, a, a life that is with my family, uh, based uh, between London and South Africa. Uh, and it's so peaceful. An elephant, a rhino, a lion, a leopard, wild dog, hyena, they don't know what a cricketer is. They even have no interest in And it's okay, yeah. And they don't care one hoot. And even though I've saved through some, with some amazing work from so many people, so many animals, <laughs> it doesn't matter when uh, the babies that you protect grow up. They don't, um, they don't know and they don't care. They'll still, they'll still do, do a job on you. So it's one of respect and it's one of peace. And, and that's the place that I'm in. A personal question. I've heard you quite a few times say when you land on African soil, you smell yeah. it and you feel it. I, I'm very yeah. lucky that I've been to Africa a few times and my best friend's from South Africa. Tell, describe that smell to us. What's that smell? I don't yeah. know what that smell is. I've got no idea what that smell is. I just know it's an African What's smell. What's it make you feel? It makes me feel at home, completely at home. Mm. That's the overriding feeling of it's home. It's where I was born. It's where I was brought up. It's where I played out my first 20 years of my life. So from, from that standpoint, it's, it's everything that I am. And to get back there is, uh, is always something that we love. Uh, we've got the most beautiful home there now as well in the bush. And uh, we love spending time there. We absolutely love it. Yeah, I can well imagine. Um, so before you go, what mm. would you tell any young sports person out there that's making his or her way into competitive sport? Any gems of advice? There's no substitute for hard work. As hard as it sounds and as cliched as it is there's no substitute there really is no substitute but also sometimes quantity isn't as good as quality you can train for 10 minutes the right way mm. instead of training for two hours the wrong way you know this morning i did this school assembly and it just came into my head and some of the things i think that the kids were asking me was about yeah i say hard work as well but then how do you deal with times when you get knocked back and rejection well, the way that I dealt with it is that when I was playing well, because each person has done something well and whatever walk of life they're in, there is something that they have done well. And it's very important when you are doing something well to have somebody around you that knows what you're doing and can understand you so that when you go to a dark place of failure in that particular line of work that you are trying to excel at, that person can be your shining light to get you back to where you were. And I've got that person in my life. Or I had that person in my cricketing life who knew everything about me and knew how well I played and knew when I was playing badly. And all it would be is five minutes with this guy throwing a ball to me or talking to me on the phone, watching me in a test match, text message at the end of the game saying, dude, what's happening? Why are you not doing this? Straight talking, no BS, hmm. straight up, boom. This is the issue. This is what you're doing. When you're doing well, another message, that was outstanding. That is amazing. That is how you play the game. But so it's very important to have somebody around you, whether it's your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your best mate, your coach, 
who knows when you are, are turning out the results in a positive way. Because when it goes badly, people say, oh, go back to basics. Well, what the hell is basics? Yeah. Go back to basics in my world was go back to somebody who knew my game inside out. And finally, uh, I've kind of asked everybody this. What would you say to anyone that's struggling at the moment and that's in that tough, dark place right now? Get structure in your life. Get routine in your life. Get up. Have a purpose. A real good friend of mine was uh, on Robben Island with Nelson Mandela for years and years and years. And uh, I rang him at the start of lockdown. I said, dude, if I'm going to be locked down here, you were locked down in a place, in a dark, dark place. How did you get through it? And he just said, structure, routine, train every day, do certain things, make sure you get up with purpose every single day and you deal with that day head on. Work for us. I've had the best lockdown ever. Yeah. Uh, I have to say it's exactly what I do as well. I structure everything and I write it down. And on that note, um, I'm off for a run because that's part of my structure today. (laughs) And I know you need to get back outside. Yeah. Um, So thank you so much. It's been, I'm so grateful for your time and for you joining us. Massive, massive thanks, Kevin. Thank you. Have fun. Nice to see you. Thank you. You too. Take care. And thanks so much to Sport in Mind Charity for their support with this episode. Please reach out and talk to someone if you're struggling. If you feel it's hard to pick up the phone, you can text SHOUT to 85258 for support. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak again soon.